Section 14 of the Works of Edgar Allan Poe, Raven Edition, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gaby Cowan. The Works of Edgar Allan Poe, Raven Edition, Volume 3 by edgar allan poe narrative of a gordon pym chapter fourteen the jane guy was a fine-looking topsail schooner of a hundred and eighty tons burden she was unusually sharp in the bows and on a wind in moderate weather the fastest sailor i have ever seen her qualities however as a rough sea-boat were not so good and her draught of water was by far too great for the trade to which she was destined for this peculiar service a larger vessel and one of a light proportionate draught is desirable say a vessel of from three hundred to three hundred and fifty tons she should be bark rigged and in other respects of a different construction from the usual south sea ships it is absolutely necessary that she should be well armed she should have say ten or twelve twelve-pound carronades and two or three long twelves with brass blunderbusses and water-tight arm chests for each top her anchors and cables should be or far greater strength than is required for any other species of trade and above all her crew should be numerous and efficient no less for such a vessel as i have described than fifty or sixty able-bodied men the jane guy had a crew of thirty-five all able seamen besides the captain and mate but she was not altogether as well armed or otherwise equipped as a navigator acquainted with the difficulties and dangers of the trade could have desired captain guy was a gentleman of great urbanity and manner and of considerable experience in the southern traffic to which he had devoted a great portion of his life he was deficient however in energy and consequently in that spirit of enterprise which is here so absolutely requisite he was part owner of the vessel in which he sailed and was invested with discretionary powers to cruise in the south seas for any cargo which might come mostly readily to hand he had on board as usual in such voyages beads looking-glasses tinder-works axes hatches saws adzes planes chisels gouges gimlets files spoke shaves rasps hammers nails knives scissors razors needles thread crockery ware calico trinkets and other similar articles the schooner sailed from liverpool on the tenth of july crossed the tropic of cancer on the twenty-fifth in longitude twenty degrees west and reached sal 
one of the Cape Verde Islands, on the twenty-ninth, where she took in salt and other necessaries for the voyage. On the third of August she left the Cape Verdes and steered southwest, stretching over toward the coast of Brazil, so as to cross the equator between the meridians of twenty-eight and thirty degrees west longitude. This is a course usually taken by vessels bound from Europe to the Cape of Good Hope, or by that route to the East Indies. By proceeding thus, they avoid the calms and strong contrary currents which continually prevail on the coast of Guinea, while in the end it is found to be the shortest track, as westerly winds are never wanting afterward by which to reach the Cape. It was Captain Sky's intention to make his first stoppage at Kerguelen's land. I hardly know for what reason. On the day we were picked up, the schooner was off Cape St. Rock, in longitude 31 degrees west, so that, when found, we had drifted probably from north to south, not less than five and twenty degrees. On board the Jane Guy we were treated with all the kindness our distressed situation demanded. In about a fortnight, during which time we continued steering to the southeast, with gentle breezes and fine weather, both Peters and myself recovered entirely from the effects of our late privation and dreadful sufferings, and we began to remember what had passed rather as a frightful dream from which we had been happily awakened than as events which had taken place in sober and naked reality i have since found that this species of partial oblivion is usually brought about by sudden transition whether from joy to sorrow or from sorrow to joy the degree of forgetfulness being proportioned to the degree of difference in the exchange thus in my own case i now feel it impossible to realize the full extent of the misery which i endured during the days spent upon the hulk the incidents are remembered but not the feelings which the incidents elicited at the time of their occurrence i only know that when they did occur i then thought human nature could sustain nothing more of agony we continued our voyage for some weeks without any incidents of greater moment than the occasional meeting with the whaling ships and more frequently with the black or right whale so called in contradistinction to the sparmacity these however were chiefly found south of the twenty feet parallel on the sixteenth of september being in the vicinity of the cape of good hope the schooner encountered her first gale of any violence since leaving Liverpool. In this neighborhood, but more frequently to the south and east of the promontory, we were to the westward. Navigators have often to contend with storms from the northward, which rage with great fury. They always bring with them a heavy sea, and one of their most dangerous features is the instantaneous chopping round of the wind an occurrence almost certain to take place during the greatest force of the gale a perfect hurricane 
will be blowing at one moment from the northward or northeast and in the next not a breath of wind will be felt in that direction while from the southwest it will come out all at once with a violence almost inconceivable a bright spot to the southward is the sure forerunner of the change and vessels are thus enabled to take the proper precautions it was about six in the morning when the blow came on with a white squall and as usual from the northward by eight it had increased very much and brought down upon us one of the most tremendous seas i had then ever beheld everything had been made as snug as possible but the schooner laboured excessively and gave evidence of her bad qualities as a sea-boat pitching her forecastle under at every plunge and with the greatest difficulty struggling up from one wave before she was buried in another just before sunset the bright spot for which we had been on the look-out made its appearance in the southwest and in an hour afterward we perceived the little head-sail we carried flapping listlessly against the mast in two minutes more in spite of every preparation we were hurled on our beam-ends as if by magic and a perfect wilderness of foam made a clear bridge over us as we lay the blow from the southwest however luckily proved to be nothing more than a squall and we had the good fortune to ride the vessel without the loss of a spar a heavy cross sea gave us great trouble for a few hours after this but toward morning we found ourselves in nearly as good condition as before the gale captain guy considered that he had made an escape little less than miraculous on the thirteenth of october we came in sight of prince edward's island in latitude forty six degrees fifty three south longitude thirty seven degrees forty six east two days afterward we found ourselves near possession island and presently passed the islands of crosset in latitude forty two degrees fifty nine south longitude forty eight degrees east on the eighteenth we made kerguelen's or desolation island in the southern indian ocean and came to anchor in christmas harbour having four phantoms of water this island or rather group of islands bears southeast from the cape of good hope and is distant therefrom nearly eight hundred leagues it was first discovered in seventeen seventy two by the baron de kerguelen or kerguelen a frenchman who thinking the land to form a portion of an extensive southern continent carried home information to that effect which produced much excitement at the time the government taking the matter up sent the baron back in the following year for the purpose of giving his new discovery a critical examination when the mistake was discovered in seventeen seventy seven captain cook fell in with the same group and gave to the principal one the name of desolation island 
a title which it certainly well deserves upon approaching the land however the navigator might be induced to suppose otherwise as the sides of most of the hills from september to march are clothed with very brilliant verdure this deceitful appearance is caused by a small plant resembled saxifrage which is abundant growing in large patches on a species of crumbling moss besides this plant there is scarcely a sign of vegetation on the island if we except for some coarse rank grass near the harbour some lichen and a shrub which bears resemblance to a cabbage shooting into seed and which has a bitter and acrid taste the face of the country is hilly although none of the hills can be called lofty their tops are perpetually covered with the snow there are several harbours of which christmas harbour is the most convenient it is the first to be met with on the north-east side of the island after passing cape francois which forms the northern shore and by its peculiar shape serves to distinguish the harbour its projecting point terminates in a high rock through which is a large hole forming a natural arch the entrance is in latitude forty eight degrees forty south longitude sixty nine degrees six east passing in here good anchorage may be found under the shelter of several small islands which form a sufficient protection from all easterly winds proceeding on eastwardly from this anchorage you come to wasp bay at the head of the harbour this is a small basin completely landlocked into which you can go with four phantoms and find anchorage in from ten to three hard clay bottom a ship might lie here with her best bower ahead all the year round without risk to the westward at the head of wasp bay is a small stream of excellent water easily procured some seal of the fur and hair species are still to be found on kerguelen's island and sea elephants abound the feathered tribes are discovered in great numbers penguins are very plenty and of these there are four different kinds the royal penguin so called from its size and beautiful plumage is the largest the upper part of the body is usually grey sometimes of a lilac tint the under portion of the purest white imaginable the head is of a glossy and most brilliant black the feet also the chief beauty of plumage however consists in two broad stripes of a gold colour which pass along from the head to the breast the veil is long and either pink or bright scarlet these birds walk erect with a stately carriage they carry their heads high with their wings drooping like two arms and as their tails project from their body in a line with the legs the resemblance to a human figure is very striking and would be apt to deceive the spectator at a casual glance or in the gloom of the evening
the royal penguins which we met with on kerguelen's land were rather larger than a goose the other kinds are the macaroni the jackass and the rookery penguin these are much smaller less beautiful in plumage and different in other respects besides the penguin many other birds are here to be found among which may be mentioned sea hens blue petrels teal ducks port egmont hens shags cape pigeons the nelly sea swallows terns seagulls mother carries chicken mother carries geese or the great petrel and lastly the albatross the great petrel is as large as the common albatross and is carnivorous it is frequently called the breakbones or osprey petrel they are not at all shy and when properly cooked are palatable food in flying they sometimes sail very close to the surface of the water with the wings expanded without appearing to move them in the least degree or make any exertion with them whatever the albatross is one of the largest and fiercest of the south sea birds it is of the gull species and takes its prey on the wing never coming on land except for the purpose of breeding between this bird and the penguin the most singular friendship exists their nests are constructed with great uniformity upon a plan concerted between the two species that of the albatross being placed in the centre of a little square formed by the nest of four penguins navigators have agreed in calling an assemblage of such encampments a rookery these rookeries have been often described but as my readers may not have all seen these descriptions and as i shall have occasion hereafter to speak of the penguin and albatross it will not be amiss to say something here of their mode of building and living when the season for incubation arrives the birds assemble in vast numbers and for some days appear to be deliberating upon the proper course to be pursued at length they proceed to action a level piece of ground is selected of suitable extent usually comprising three or four acres and situated as near the sea as possible being still beyond its reach the spot is chosen with reference to its evenness of surface and that is preferred which is the least encumbered with stones this matter being arranged the birds proceed with one accord and actuated apparently by one mind to trace out with mathematical accuracy either a square or other parallelogram as may best suit the nature of the ground and of just sufficient size to accommodate easily all the birds assembled and no more in this particular seeming determined upon preventing the access of future stranglers who have not participated in the labor of the encampment one side of the place thus marked out runs parallel to the water's edge and is left open for ingress or egress 
having defined the limits of the rookery the colony now began to clear it of every species of rubbish picking up stone by stone and carrying them outside of the lines and close by them so as to form a wall on the three inland sides just within this wall a perfectly level and smooth walk is formed from six to eight feet wide and extending around the encampment thus serving the purpose of a general promenade the next process is to partition out the whole area into small squares exactly equal in size this is done by forming narrow paths very smooth and crossing each other at right angles throughout the entire extent of the rookery at each intersection of these paths the nest of an albatross is constructed and a penguin's nest in the centre of each square thus every penguin is surrounded by four albatrosses and each albatross by a like number of penguins the penguin's nest consists of a hole in the earth very shallow being only just of sufficient depth to keep her single egg from rolling the albatross is somewhat less simple in her arrangements erecting a hillock about a foot high and two in diameter this is made of earth seaweed and shells on its summit she builds her nest the birds take special care never to leave their nest unoccupied for an instant during the period of incubation or indeed until the young progeny are sufficiently strong to take care of themselves while the male is absent at sea in search of food the female remains on duty and it is only upon the return of her partner that she ventures abroad the eggs are never left uncovered at all while one bird leaves the nest the other nestling in by its side this precaution is rendered necessary by the thieving propensities prevalent in the rockery the inhabitants making no scruple to purloin each other eggs at every good opportunity although there are some rockeries in which the penguin and albatross are the sole population yet in most of them a variety of oceanic birds are to be met with enjoying all the privileges of citizenship and scattering their nests here and there wherever they can find room never interfering however with the stations of the larger species the appearance of such encampments when seen from a distance is exceedingly singular the whole atmosphere just above the settlement is darkened with the immense number of the albatross mingled with the smaller tribes which are continually hovering over it either going to the ocean or returning home at the same time a crowd of penguins are to be observed some passing to and fro in the narrow alleys and some marching with a military strut so peculiar to them around the general promenade ground which encircles the rockery in short survey it is as we will nothing can be more astonishing than the spirit of reflection evinced by these feathered beings 
and nothing surely can be better calculated to elicit reflection in every well-regulated human intellect on the morning after our arrival in christmas harbor the chief mate mr patterson took the boats and although it was somewhat early in the season went in search of seal leaving the captain and a young relation of his on a point of barren land to the westward they having some business whose nature i could not ascertain to transact in the interior of the island captain guy took with him a bottle in which was a sealed letter and made his way from the point of which he was set on shore toward one of the highest peaks in the place it is probably that his design was to leave the letter on that height for some vessel which he expected to come after him as soon as we lost sight of him we proceeded peters and myself being in the mate's boat on our cruise around the coast looking for seal in this business we were occupied about three weeks examining with great care every nook and corner not only of kerguelen's land but on the several small islands in the vicinity our labors however were not crowned with any important success we saw a great many fur seal but they were exceedingly shy and with the greatest exertions we could only procure three hundred and fifty skins in all sea elephants were abundant especially on the western coast of the mainland but of these we killed only twenty and these with great difficulty on the smaller islands we discovered a good many of the hair seal but did not molest them we returned to the schooner on the eleventh where we found captain guy and his nephew who gave a very bad account of the interior representing it as one of the most dreary and utterly barren countries in the world they had remained two nights on the island owing to some misunderstanding on the part of the second mate in regard to the sending a jolly boat from the schooner to take them off end of section fourteen recording by gabby cowan kingston ontario canada